I see you to remain standing while I read the Holy Scriptures. Let's read together, not read together, listen carefully. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that today we'll encounter you, the living God, and you will transform our lives by the transformation of our minds and our thinking, that we'll have a biblical worldview of the world we live in, and we'll be able to be a consistent Christian before a watching world. Strengthen these dear saints, O Lord, especially be with my friend Bob. Encourage him greatly during this time of suffering. Help us to remember that all of us will also one day meet our end, and so help us to prepare. Bless this congregation. Thank you for it. Lift them up, O Lord. Give them that preacher, a man after your own heart. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. Now, <clears throat> when we talk about preachers, being one myself, you have to understand the difficulty that a preacher has. His first problem is himself. He has a carnal nature. Believe it or not, he still sins. My God, how awful is it? A preacher is to be a holy man of God. Sometimes he's not too holy. What do you expect from a preacher? I always expected perfection. I don't know about you. <laughs> it never happened, of course. But I want you to listen to the kind of preacher you need to find out if this is the kind you want. Because this scripture is not just for preachers. It's for congregations. You need to decide whether you really want the real McCoy or not. It's not easy to be a preacher, and it's not easy to hear the word of God if you really understand what it's saying. It's not easy to be a Christian. Anybody that says that is crazy. That's all I got to say. They don't understand the carnal nature that you're born with. They don't understand the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you have to have a clear mind when you're dealing with the world that you walk out into after you leave this 30 minutes or whatever. So the first thing is, I charge you in the presence of God. God is here today. Do you understand that? Do you believe it? Is God omnipresent? Well, if he is, guess what? You're being evaluated. Right now, before God. 
He's looking at you. He knows what you think. He knows what you're planning. He knows if you're thinking about lunch. <laughs> oh, well. But it's true, friends. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world or the end of your life. You believe that one? I charge you, O Timothy, I charge you before God. These, listen, you could preach five sermons out of verse one easily, with no trouble whatsoever. God, God exists. Now, there's only three possibilities God exists, or God doesn't exist, or you're God. That's the three. Now, if there is no God, he says, I charge you in the presence of God. So Paul is admitting that he believes God and he thinks Timothy does. Do you? Now, if you're an atheist, you know what that really means? Listen carefully. It means you popped out of the primeval slime. You cruise through life and when you die... You're annihilated to be forgotten forever. Do you get it? You disappear forever. I'll never forget. I was visiting in a community and there was a man hoeing his garden. And uh, I went up to visit him. We got in a big discussion. And he said, well, preacher, let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is when you die, you go into that ground like my garden there and that's it. That's what he said. I said to him, hmm, well, that means you're forgotten forever, doesn't he? And he looked, oh, no. My family will remember me. And I said to him, okay, what if your family dies out? Then you're forgotten forever. He looked at me. I looked at him. I could see the red coming up in his face. He threw his hole down and stormed off. He couldn't live by his own belief system because he wanted to think there was some reason he had some significance. At least his family would remember him. But my friends, if atheism is true, he's already forgotten. Now the second possibility is it your God? You know, I hear a lot of people, men, saying, I am God. You know, Jesus said there'd be many false Christs, didn't he? I'm God. Well, let me ask you a simple question. Do you know that God is immortal? Do you know what immortal means in the New Testament? Not subject to death. Okay, now everybody raise your hand. If you're not going to die, raise your hand. <laughs> Jeb thinks he's, he's going to live forever. <laughs> oh, boy. I love children. They're great. <laughs> but see, you didn't raise your hand, did you? Did you? 
Now, if you can keep yourself from dying or raise yourself from the dead, then you are God. Guess what? You're not God. So, if you're an atheist, there is no God. If you're a God, feel sorry for you. You've got a mental problem. That means God. God exists. Do you believe Jesus Christ told the truth or was he a big liar? He said in the beginning, God created. Friends, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make up your mind. Either Jesus Christ told the truth, listen, or he's the biggest liar the world has ever seen. You have to make a choice. Jesus told the truth or he lied. Which is it? Now, I personally believe he told the truth. Why do I believe Jesus Christ told the truth? Because I believe the gospel. Do you believe the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and he rose again from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. He rose, listen, you all are not paying attention to what our whole system of worship was this morning. He rose again from the dead. Have you ever been with a person who was about to die? I have. And people who are not Christians, my God is so awful. It's so awful. God, it's so awful. There's a darkness, a depression. A deep sadness of darkness in the whole room. It's an awful thing to see. But I've been in there when Christians have died. It's not the same. It's not the same. Because there's hope. My friends, the gospel message is about hope. We have hope of life after Death. This is astonishing. Now, if you have problems with Jesus rising again from the dead, I would suggest to you that you go to the library and get Morrison's Who Moved the Stone or Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, or so many. There's so much evidence for Jesus' resurrection from the dead that when he has raised from the dead, my friends, He's the one who knows the story. He knows what's beyond death. Therefore, when he talks about these things, we say, well, I think he's a little smarter than I am. Do you actually think you know more than Jesus Christ? There's a lot of people who think that. My friends, you're not as smart as Jesus Christ. Jesus, listen. Who is the one that overcomes the world except the one that believes Jesus is the Son of God? These things are astonishing. Have you read the New Testament? Have you actually read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? 89 chapters, you can read three chapters a day and be finished in a month. You'll be shocked at what's actually written in there. 
I tell you what, people don't even know who Jesus Christ is. They need to read about Jesus Christ and what he said and what he taught. This is the problem. People are totally ignorant of Jesus Christ. They took Jesus Christ out of the public schools in 1962. What have we got now in our country? Have you seen it? Are you looking at it? Are you watching it? Why is this happening? Because there's no moral foundation for people. We're educating kids and they're smart devils. They don't have any moral foundation and they're just floating away in society. And friends, we've got the message of hope for them. There's life after death. They don't know it. Because when you have hope, now let me say this to you. People who have no hope are the most dangerous people in the world. I'm telling you that right now. Because if you don't have any hope, you don't care. And if you don't care, you'll kill somebody at the drop of a hat. won't make a hill of beans difference to you. We have hope. We have, we have a different mindset than the people of this world. Now, you've got to have a preacher, my friends, who walks in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Do you know what walking in the Spirit really means? Do you understand it? Walking in the Spirit means you have a constant prayer and awareness that God is right there beside you. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. You're constantly evaluating yourself, your actions, your words, your thoughts by God who's right there beside you. That's what you do. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Now, let me tell you something. It's hard to be a Christian. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's really difficult. But you've got to have a preacher that walks with a constant mindset of God and Jesus Christ. Why? It says here, he's coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you get it? He's coming again. What if it was right now? Did you know the Bible says it's going to be the blink your eye? Did you blink it? That's how fast it's going to be. Boom, there he is. What's he coming to do? He's not coming to forgive sins, my dear friends. He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. You are going to see Jesus Christ face to face. Do you understand this? We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things that we have done, whether it be good or evil. My God. This is... If you're not a Christian, you should be terrified. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Is that what it says? He's coming to judge the living and the dead. Is that what he's going to do? Do you really believe in the final judgment? Do you believe it's actually going to take place? According to his appearing and his kingdom, do you understand that you're in one of two kingdoms? Do you understand this? 
He has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, friends, you're in a kingdom today. I don't know what kingdom you're in. You're in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Jesus. That's it. There's not several kingdoms, just two. Now, it's interesting to me that people don't understand what a kingdom has. A kingdom has a king. Doesn't that make sense? A kingdom has a king. Well, who is in the kingdom of light? Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. Do you know what a king says to his subjects? Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. And the subjects, what are they supposed to do? Well, I'll do that. Is this hard? To, do we need a PhD in theology to understand this? I mean, do we really need that? Or can you understand that Jesus is king of the kingdom of light and the devil is the, kingdom, is the king of the kingdom of darkness? And if you're in the kingdom of light, Jesus is your king. Do you understand this? Is this hard to get? Friends, if you're not obeying Jesus Christ, let me put it to you as plainly as I can. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is what you say. Listen. Here is the statement of a true Christian. You ready to hear it? What will you have me do, Lord? Young people, you're supposed to be asking Jesus, who do you want me to marry? What school do you want me to go to? Where do you want me to live? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Now, how many of you heard, let your conscience be your God? How many of you ever heard that? Raise your hand. Excellent. It's a lie. The world is full of liars, and that's one of them. Do you know what young people say? They use the same terminology, except it's different. They say, well, if you think it's okay, go ahead. You ever heard that one? If you think it's okay, go ahead. My friends, that's right out of the pit of hell. God isn't interested in you doing what you want. He wants you to do what he wants. Now, the, the problem with young people is they don't understand that God has his best intentions for you. He wants what's best for you. But you think, no, he doesn't. That's what you think. I have to really determine what I need best. That's what you think. That's not Christian. Do you know what Christian is? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't let your conscience be your guide. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's what the Bible says. You see, your conscience has to be under the word of God. If your conscience contradicts the word of God, guess who's wrong? You are. And so what does that mean? That means you change your thinking. Don't be conformed to this world, the Bible says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you really believe this stuff? Why? You should believe it, my friends. Because Jesus tells the truth. 
Do you really believe he rose again from the dead? Do you really believe that? I mean, are you sure? Are you sure you believe it? If you do, then what Jesus says for you goes. So, it's not that hard to understand. Now, the second thing a preacher has, he not only has to have this experience, walking with the Spirit, the power of God is in his life, but he has to have courage. <laughs> Guess what it says he's supposed to do? Did you see this? Preach the word. Whether it's popular or whether it isn't. Convict. Rebuke. Rebuke? Rebuke somebody in the church? Rebuke? Wait a minute. No, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. You better have a preacher that's ready to rebuke you. Rebuke you. Are you ready to receive his rebuke? You ready to receive it? If you're not ready to receive it, guess what? Your heart is not right with God. Because the preacher is to convict, rebuke, persuade, encourage with all patience and teaching. You see, it's sort of like a football coach. There's some guys you have to kick in the rear. And there's some guys you have to pat on the back. So they'd be better football players. A preacher has to know the people he's pastor of. He's got to know when you need the rebuke, and he's got to know when you need encouragement. Guess how he does that? He actually visits you. <laughs> yes. How, how's he going to know who you are? Is this hard to understand? What does the word pastor mean? Do you know what pastor means? Shepherd. You know what shepherds do? They take care of the flock. There it is. So he can't do that unless he knows who you are. This is it's hard to be a pastor, to have courage. He's got to be a man of prayer or he won't have courage. He's got to walk with God. Listen, this is tough stuff. It's very difficult for a man to be a preacher. But that's the kind of man you've got to have. Because what's going to happen if he does all this stuff? Well, he's going to come in conflict with people in the church. What? Wait a minute. We live in peace and harmony and love and joy. Oh, no. Conflict? Wait a minute. Where'd that come from? People don't want to hear it. Do you want to hear it? Are you sure? Are you going to conflict with the preacher? This is what's going to happen. This has happened everywhere I've been. And as pastor of a church care in Presbytery, I saw this repeatedly. A new pastor came in. And some of the people didn't like the way he did things. Or how he preached. Or what he said. And so what did they do? They left. Happens every time going to happen here. It shouldn't, should it? Because you're hiring a man like this. But some people are, want their ears tickled. They want to hear all nice, sweet, and good things. 
Well, the best thing to hear is the gospel, without question. He's certainly going to preach that. But he's going to say, you shouldn't do certain things. And you're going to say, who's he to tell me what to do? Well, he's the pastor. That's who he is to tell you what to do. Now, if he tells you something wrong, you certainly shouldn't do it. No authority can tell you to do anything wrong against the holy word of God. I don't care who it is. But if he tells you something is right, guess what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to do it. This is not hard to understand. It's hard to do, but it's not hard to understand. Look what he says he's supposed to do. I mean, this is pretty amazing stuff that this preacher's to be like this. And this is the kind of preacher you need. They'll turn away from hearing the truth. They won't like it when you preach the truth. They won't like it, some of them. As for you, old preacher, be sober-minded, endure suffering or hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He's to persevere whether people like it or whether they don't. That's what he's supposed to do. He's to do the work of an evangelist. What is the work of an evangelist? It's to tell people they're lost and they need Jesus. Why do we have missions? Look at this. It's wonderful. On the back of your bulletin, it shows all these missionaries. Look at all eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven missionaries you're supporting. Praise God. It's so wonderful to see that. But why do we have missionaries? Is there a purpose? Well, it's because people don't know Christ. And if they don't know Christ, my friends, listen. 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 If they don't know Christ, they're going to hell. Do you really believe that? Are you sure? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Did he lie about that? Your family members and mine, some of them are not Christian. It's terrifying to think about it. Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, atheists, agnostics, Unitarian Universalists, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, guess what? They don't accept the gospel. And if you don't accept the gospel, you will not go to heaven. I don't know how plain that is. What does the Bible say? He that has the Son has life. But he that does not have the Son does not have life. This is serious business, isn't it? We're talking about death and eternity. God, Jesus Christ, and we're going to meet him. Now, the purpose of preaching is twofold. There's a lot of things a preacher's supposed to do. But the purpose of preaching is really twofold. First, God exists. And therefore, the second thing is, get ready to meet him. It will be soon. 
Now, I've told you before, if there's no God, it doesn't matter what you do. But if there's a God, you better get serious about getting ready to meet him. The wonderful thing is the gospel message is still the truth. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. My God, how could he do it? He has a kingdom. And the thief on the cross, you know that guy had more faith? That's just astonishing to me. And Jesus Christ is crucified. He's got blood running down his face. He's been beaten half to death. And he turns to Jesus on the, on the cross and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. My kingdom's not of this world. He says, are you going to this kingdom? If you're not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And if you're born again, my friends, you bow the knee to King Jesus. You're in a new king. You want to do what he says, when he says, and how far he says. That's what Christianity is about. What happens when a person really believes this stuff? God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Are we afraid of what happens in the elections? No. Are we afraid of the future? No. Are we afraid of tomorrow? No. Are we afraid of today? No. Until you lose your fear of death and you have a conviction you're going to heaven, you can't live. But when you learn Jesus, he gives you life and abundant life. You could go forth from this place rejoicing, my friends. It's a powerful thing to be a Christian. It's a wonderful thing. He has chosen you to be a Christian. My God. And you can't, well, I, I don't know if I want to do what he wants or crazy I pray for you that this is the kind of ministry you will have right here and you pray that you get that ministry because if you do God will bless you for it and that's what I pray for this church every day amen let us pray oh Lord I pray that this church will find such a godly minister who struggles with his own nature, but he still loves Jesus, and he wants to do whatever Jesus says. I pray this congregation will want such a preacher, and that you'll bless them with that man. For your glory and praise and eternal kingdom, O Lord Jesus, amen.